Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Northfield Boulevard Church of Christ here at GodsRedeemed.org. Hopefully this is encouraging to you to have this as an opportunity to learn, to study, and to encourage each other. And hopefully you're telling your friends and family and those that you are associated with about the opportunities that are available on our website. Thank you so much for joining us today. I invite you to open your Bibles to James chapter 1, where we're going to read four verses here in just a moment as we set the stage for our study today about hearing and not doing. Because there's a difference between hearing what the Lord has asked us to do and then doing what the Lord has asked us to do. And as has been said in recent times, there's something important about actually doing the Lord's will in addition to just hearing what He has asked us to do. You know, the Bible is filled with men and women who did God's will, and as a result, we learn from them and we learn from their examples. But the Bible is also complete with individuals who heard what was necessary but refused to act. And what I want us to do is to read James chapter 1, beginning in verse 22, where he says, Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. These are no doubt familiar verses to you about the importance of hearing and doing. First century Christians that we try to model ourselves after, in addition to modeling ourselves after Christ, were taught that they needed to take the time to hear God's word, but also to act upon what they had heard. A person, if he's not careful, or if she's not careful, can deceive themselves by saying, I know the truth. But being individuals that are short-sighted, they are godly men and women who need to apply what it means to be blessed, as written in James chapter 1 verse 25. And so what I want us to do this afternoon is to explore a handful of individuals, some who are named and some who are not named, in the New Testament who heard what God wanted them to do, but refused to do what God asked them to do. And we'll see that in each of these occasions that these individuals failed to complete the mission that was set before them. And then I want us to make a series of three or four applications for us today, 2,000 years later. I want us to start with the men at Pentecost. Note, if you would, in Acts chapter 2, that the Bible tells us that there were great multitudes of people who had traveled to Jerusalem for this religious event. Some estimate hundreds of thousands of men and women who were present to hear Peter and the other apostles teach them on this particular occasion. And while everyone at Pentecost 
heard the message that was preached in Acts chapter 2, where Peter preached that wonderful gospel sermon, you recall in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, where the Bible says that only 3,000 souls were saved, 3,000 souls added to the church. The Bible is clear, only the 3,000 were added to the church, Acts 2 verse 47. And what happened to the others is the great question for us today. Note if you would that the Bible says nothing as to the rationale of those who didn't obey. Were they just not interested? Were the other 97 plus thousand individuals not convicted? They heard the word that day, but they were not convicted. And the same is true, not to get too far ahead of ourselves in terms of applications, but the same is true today. The vast majority of people hear the gospel message. They know what is necessary to be saved, or at least they have at their disposal God's word, which teaches them everything that they need to do in order to be complete servants of God. But they refuse to do it. These countless men at Pentecost heard the word, but did nothing about it. Secondly, might I suggest post-Pentecost Jews. Even after the success at Pentecost, there were many who refused to obey what they had heard. Turn over, if you would, to Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4, and I want to just highlight a couple of verses there in Acts chapter 3, where Peter again preaches the gospel. Peter, of course, performs a miracle in the first 10 verses, and then he says in verse 12, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look intently at us as though by our prayer or godliness we have made this man walk? And then he goes on in Solomon's porch to preach this second recorded sermon of Peter. And the result of this is found in the early part of Acts chapter 4. As they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being, notice the words in verse 2, greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. You know, it's interesting that there is a danger to preaching the gospel in the first century. And there are similar dangers in the 21st century. Now, we are fortunate that we live in a country that provides us with freedoms, those inalienable rights that are written about in our founding documents. But there could come a time where it is illegal, or at the very least, it is unwise to, in the words of God, share the message of the gospel with others. The result of Peter's message was that some people were disturbed by the nonsense which he preached. And their choice was to imprison those same apostles later in Acts chapter 4. But if you would, note the success. Many of those, verse 4, who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. So there were a lot of people who heard the message of Peter in Acts chapter 3, but only 5,000 came to be numbered among the saints. And so the majority of individuals heard, 
but did not believe and did not do. Let me suggest thirdly in Acts chapter 17 a group of Greek philosophers who criticized Paul and said they wanted to hear his message. In Acts chapter 17 we find a third group of people who were interested in hearing about God's word but weren't interested in doing it. Look if you would at chapter 17 beginning in verse 18 where it says certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered Paul and they said what does this babbler want to say? Others said he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him into Mars Hill saying may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak. These Athenians on Mars Hill were certainly interested in hearing new messages. In fact, that's what they were all about in verse 21, either to hear something or to tell some new thing. By calling Paul a babbler or a seed picker, they were insinuating that he was uneducated and that he was unsophisticated. A few people were convinced. In verse 34, fast forward into the end of the chapter, the text tells us that some men joined him and believed, and a woman as well, and others with them. But most of them were unwilling to obey. In fact, verse 32, if you jump up two more verses in verse 32, it says, we will hear you again on this matter, translated, the majority of individuals at Mars Hill were not interested in doing what God wants them to do. Let's look at an occasion in Acts chapter 24 of an individual who heard but refused to obey, and that's a man by the name of Felix the governor. Felix the governor was an individual who heard Paul seemed to be interested in what Paul had to say, much like the Athenians on Mars Hill, but was unwilling to act. In verses 10 through 21, if you'd like to read those verses on your own, you'll see where Paul goes before Felix to give his defense. And Paul stood before the governor and told him about what he was really doing in Jerusalem. You recall that there were individuals who were accusing Paul of insubordination and of trying to increase riots, many kinds of things that were said about Jesus, the Christ. But we know that that's not what Paul was doing. He was simply teaching the truth and letting the chips fall where they may. Notice, if you would, chapter 24 and verse 21. Unless it is for this one statement which I cried out standing among them concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you this day, Paul says. And then in verse 22, when Felix heard these things, there's the key word for our city today, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will make a decision on your account or on your case. Notice that Felix heard the teaching and notice that he learned because he has more accurate knowledge. Those are important terms but Felix chose based on what we read in verses 25 and 26 
He chose not to obey and instead look for a more convenient or better time. Look in verse 25. He reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Felix was afraid and he answered and he said, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. And he was, according to verse 26, seeking some sort of profit from the venture. I say all this because here is yet a fourth example of an individual or groups of individuals who hear what God has told them to do, whether it be Peter speaking or whether it be Paul preaching. These are individuals who are presenting the truth, but the vast majority of individuals say thanks, but no thanks. They're not interested in the truth. And here we are 2,000 years later and we kind of do the same thing where we shake our heads and we wonder, is there anyone still interested in the truth? Because the majority at Pentecost, the majority at Mars Hill, the majority in Solomon's porch, and even Felix the governor who had one-on-one -on -one teachings with the incredible Paul himself were not interested in the truth. They're willing to hear it but they're not willing to do anything about it. Let me share with you a fifth and final example, and that is in Acts chapter 26, with a man by the name of Agrippa the monarch. On another occasion, Paul stood before this king and explained to him his conversion. So if you would look over in Acts chapter 26 and around verse 24, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. He says, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention. That is, his attention, his knowledge, since this thing was not done in the corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? He says, I know that you believe. Agrippa said, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. One of the three instances where the word Christian is used in the New Testament. Paul says, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. It's evident that the truth had some impact on Agrippa, but almost wasn't enough. We sometimes sing a song, almost persuaded. Almost is great but we want all together because almost still isn't enough. We witness lots of people who are almost persuaded, but they need to know in the words of that song and in the words of what Paul said to the king on that day, we need to be all together persuaded. There are other occasions in the New Testament where men heard and did not act. But those are five that I think set the stage for our applications that I'd like to close with this afternoon. And that is I want us to understand that it's clear from these New Testament examples that a person must hear and must obey in order to please God. Let me say that one more time. A person must hear and he must obey. We also sing a song called Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Given that this is the fact, let me share with you four takeaways, four things to apply today. Number one, procrastination. Waiting to do what is right 
Waiting to become a servant of God or waiting to make things right with God is one of Satan's greatest tools. Satan has a toolbox. He carries it around with him wherever he goes and he uses different tools for different people. He uses lying, he uses distraction, he uses money and wealth, he uses relationships. He uses all kinds of things in order to keep us from doing what is right. And procrastination is one of those greatest tools. Remember, if you would, Felix, there will never be a better time to become a Christian or to make correction than right now. But Felix said, let me find a more convenient time when I call upon you. Remember in James chapter 4, we read in James chapter 1 just a moment, minute or so ago, but in James chapter 4, the Bible says that there's no guarantee of tomorrow. Do not say that tomorrow you're going to do such and such because you do not know what is going to behold. He says instead seize the day and the opportunity now to do what is right. There are individuals who may be watching today who say, you know what, I, I've been thinking about becoming a Christian. I've been thinking about making a correction in my life. Do it today. Don't wait until a more appropriate time because there's never a more appropriate time. Secondly, learning the Bible is important. And I think that all of us would agree. The fact that you're watching tells me that you care about spiritual things. But eventually, you've got to act. You cannot just read the Bible and then read it again and then read it a third time. You cannot just go to church services, study the Bible with others, hear good sermons that are being preached, and then you never act. Let me ask you, have you ever known this person? This is the person who comes to church all the time. They're there in the pew. They are faithful in their attendance more faithful perhaps than others. They know the Bible very well, and this individual could quote it for you. He understands that a person needs to obey God because that's what the Bible taught. After all, he's heard and he understands because he's smart enough to put two and two together. But he never becomes a saint. He never is baptized. Don't be that person. Don't be the kind of person who, I remember hearing a story years ago about a man who during the invitation song would know that he needed to make his life right with God. Knew that he needed to make a change in his life for the better. But he would grip the pew with his hands, his knuckles would become white, and he would never make this step forward literally and figuratively to become a child of God. Don't be the person who knows the Bible so well and never acts accordingly. Thirdly, it is our responsibility to teach people. Our job is not necessarily to ensure that people are converted, though that's what we want. We want people to be converted to the truth, to be converted to the gospel, to be converted to the Lord, and to be added to the church. But think of it from this perspective. Satan wants that conversion, baptism, success in a way that we measure success typically to be our only objective. I know that one of the most discouraging things for me is when I, years ago, would come back from a gospel meeting, 
one of the members of the church, and he was well-intentioned, but he would always ask, were there any baptisms? <laughs> and I would say, no, there's no baptisms during that week or during that weekend. He would say, oh, okay. As if that meant that the gospel meeting was a failure or that the preaching wasn't effective. We want baptisms, don't get me wrong. And if you're thinking about being baptized today, this is a great day, and we're going to be excited to celebrate with you. But Satan knows it will discourage us and cause us to give up. And that's exactly what men like Peter and Paul refused to do. They kept preaching. You know, Peter could have said to his fellow apostles, Guys, only 3,000, less than, let's just throw out a number here, less than 3% of the people obeyed today. Let's just pull up our stakes and move on and be discouraged. But no, Peter then stands before those individuals on Solomon's porch in the subsequent chapter in Acts chapter 3, and he preaches the message again because he knows that the preaching of the gospel is necessary. Paul would say, Woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel. These men preached to crowds and individuals and had very little success in terms of the way that we often measure success. An understanding of what our goal is in teaching others is essential so that we never become discouraged. And fourthly and finally, if I am not a Christian, I need to honestly assess why that's the case. Maybe you are somewhat persuaded Maybe you're waiting for a more convenient time. Perhaps in this time where we are separated from one another, you're saying, you know what? When we can go back to church and, and get back to regular assemblies and get back to a semblance of normalcy, I'm going to make my life right with God. Because the virus has scared me. or I've lost someone that I've cared about. Well, I appreciate the fact that you want to make your life right, but don't wait. Make that correction today. Call upon one of us here at the Northfield Boulevard Church of Christ. Let us know how we can help you because we want to make your life and you help you make your life right with God today. Am I merely interested in religious thought but not in religious change? There are individuals who I've known who have been very religious, even spiritually minded in their knowledge of God and His Word, but they don't ever make their lives right with God and how frustrating that is. Whatever the reason is, each of us should learn from those who heard and they never did anything about it. Don't be that individual and don't be those individuals. Whether it be the men at Pentecost, or in Solomon's Porch, or Mars Hill, or Felix, or Agrippa, or you. Do not hear, and then not do. If we can help you in that, we would love the opportunity. As we said, we'd be happy to baptize you today. We'd be happy to study with you this week. We'd be happy for you to come home to the Lord if you are not living correctly. And if we can help you in that, let us know. Thanks so much for watching this afternoon.